Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. Through personal and professional connections in the running world, I have the privilege of getting to know some amazing athletes. I've always been fascinated by the psychological aspect of running, and this podcast is aimed at exploring this and much more. I hope you enjoy. This episode is sponsored by Johnji. Johnji is a local to Boston running apparel company dedicated to exploring, connecting, and giving back through running. Inspired by travel, informed by function, and built for adventure, Johnji makes running essentials to equip you wherever you run or roam. The company was founded on the core belief that water is a human right and donates 2% of their sales to supporting clean water organizations around the world. I've known the two co-founders of Johnji for over five years, and it's been a privilege to see them grow and increase the level at which they've been able to give back to the running community and to the world in general. Welcome back. I have Aisha Pratt-Lear joining me on the podcast today. Aisha, thanks so much for taking some time to chat. Thanks for having me. For sure. So first question, uh, who is Aisha? Oh, wow. That's a little question. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I guess I'm, I'm a lot of things. I, um, on paper, am a professional runner for Under Armour. Uh, team boss and various other um, ventures. <laughs> um, but I would say um, I define myself more as um, a really loving friend, uh, partner, family member, um, and just a pretty caring individual. That's awesome. Um, so given that you know, you shared a lot there, but given that this is a running podcast, we'll start on the running <laughs> side. <laughs> Great. Um, do you do you remember what got you into running? Uh, yeah, um, I feel like there are so many other people with interesting um, paths to running, and mine is uh, pretty non-traditional. I, um, I didn't play any ball sports growing up. I was a bit of a bit of an odd bird. I did karate and competitive cheerleading as my sports, which are two totally opposing dichotomies, I guess. Um, but I, um, there was like some cheer politics going on at my high school that I wasn't fond of. Um, so after freshman year, I decided I didn't want to cheer anymore. And uh, my friend Kayla, uh, she convinced me to run cross country, um, to stay in shape for track where I was a sprinter. So I thought like, okay, sure. Um, I guess I don't have anything else going on. Um, I'll, I'll figure out a way to run three miles straight and then I'll join the team. And, and the rest is history. I started, um, kind of slowing down or not getting, not getting any faster than 59 seconds for a 400. Um, and then just started moving up in distance my junior year of high school. So, um, I guess my, my running age is a little bit younger than my peers, but, um, yeah, it's kind of a, a strange path, but here I am. And at what point did you realize that, um, you mentioned your, your story may have been a little different than your peers, um, in terms of how they got into running, but do you remember the point at which you realized that your skills were also a little bit different? You know, I don't have like an aha moment necessarily. Um, and I don't really have any moments, um, in my career where I thought like, Oh yeah, totally. Like this is what I'm meant to do. Um, it just sort of baby steps kind of started rolling of, okay, I, I ran pretty well in cross country. My senior year of high school, a couple of college coaches started looking at me, but I was, you know, only a second year distance runner. So didn't have uh, a ton of accolades with the recruiting process was kind of slow for me. I committed sort of early to Illinois state and like, then the recruiting kind of picked up after that. But I was like, Hey, I the deal is done, man. Like I, I had one coach who was interested in, in me <laughs> early. I'm going there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I think that what pushed me to becoming a good runner was, um, two things, team and I'm super, super competitive. So I, I love the team aspect of, of cross country. And that got me like really into wanting to be good. Um, 
And then I just want, I just like winning races and (laughs) who doesn't. Um, But yeah, I just found that I could win more races if I ran a little further. So that's, that's what I did. Cool. Um, So you mentioned team. You're part of a pretty special group out there in Boulder. Do you want to talk about the team you're a part of uh, today? Yeah. So I am, uh, I guess, the first founding member of Team Boss because Emma can't be a team of herself. (laughs) So so I, I moved out to Boulder and joined with Emma Coburn and her now husband, Joe Bosshart, in uh, at the end of 2016. Um, and we really wanted to pursue excellence, um, in a meaningful way, um, that centered around helping each other and, and sort of being competitive together instead of against one another. Um, and we sort of built and added more athletes over the years that share that same value. So what I, I believe we have one of the best teams of middle distance runners in the world. Um, and even distance, like going up to Lorth, we running the marathon and, and getting fifth at the U S trials this year. We just have such a special group of truly, truly excellent athletes that just have, in my opinion, the best attitudes and make this really hard sport. So fun. Um, and really, really rewarding to see everyone succeed at such a high level and, and feel ownership of each other's success, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, totally. I think it's super cool to, um, you know, instead of having athlete athletes in silos, you know, one athlete here, one athlete there, or training together, sometimes training together other times, um, having everyone doing it together all the time is a super cool environment. Um, and I want to get into more of the, the teams of today, but talking about, talk to me about the, the process of, of, you know, what did it look like in 2016 when Emma may have said to you, or you have said, you said to Emma, Hey, let's train together. How did, how did that evolve? Um, it was really just luck. Um, I was looking for a new situation in training. Uh, she was looking for a new situation in training and, we just sort of, our paths just sort of collided, um, in a very similar part or transition in a period in our lives. And, um, I had made a phone call to, um, my husband's really sort of, I was going to say infamous, (laughs) um, (laughs) American Miler. And I think that's the right word. Um, but one of his, uh, friends from his career, I had made a phone call to him and, and then got this like weird intercepting phone call from Emma. Um, and it was, it was a conversation that totally changed the course of, of what I um, was envisioning for myself post Rio. And she said like, Hey, I know this does sound crazy, but, uh, Joe's going to coach me. I really think that you should give him a call. Um, and that wasn't part of of the plan, but I called Joe and was met with just such a professional, knowledgeable, put together coach, even though he had just started out. Um, and I mean, had been coaching Emma for a month at the time. (laughs) Um, but, but yeah, I mean, my first, my first phone call with Joe, he was just like, Hey, you know, I've, I've watched you race. I've seen your progression. I notice, uh, that you get to, you get through 2k and then you fall apart. And I think that if we change X, Y, and Z, then we can, we can really maybe have something. Um, and he was so confident. I, Emma is just the consummate professional. And if they felt so confident, then I, I trusted that immediately. Um, and, and yeah, we, Will and I moved to Boulder. Um, we decided in December, we moved in January and, um, the early days was just me 
getting my ass kicked day in and day out (laughs) by Emma. But, uh, you know, you just start to build so much confidence when, once you get closer and closer in training to someone who, um, is truly the epitome of world-class. So it was, it was a really cool transition. What were some of the early lessons that you picked up from, from her? Um, and from, and from Joe. Yeah. A couple of things. One, it just to accept discomfort, um, and, and be comfortable there. And, um, that was something that I wasn't very good at. Like we transitioned my training to sort of longer reps and, and sitting with the discomfort of training more. And I was coming from a system that was more interval based. And so I hadn't, you know, I previously hadn't had to concentrate for 60 minutes straight with no stopping. And, uh, and that was a really good lesson for me to learn is like, just be comfortable. This is going to suck, but kind of who cares? Just do it be relaxed in your mind, accept it and, um, you know, just show up and do the work and go home. Um, and that, that was really humbling and super important for me. And, you know, I've built upon that year after year of like, okay, I've done this before. Now, how much can I add to that? Like how, how much, um, pain can I tolerate? And it's like a fun experiment to play with in your mind of like, man, how much can I handle? Like, this is, this is a fun game to play with myself now. Um, which makes me sound like a masochist, but I'm, I'm swearing not. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then another thing that I really learned from Emma is to celebrate wins. Um, and that's not something that I am very good at. It's, it's kind of hard for me or it had been hard for me to relax and uh, be happy about stuff. I, I was all, always like a, yeah, that's great, but type of person. And she really helped show me that like, hey, if we absolutely smashed this uh, early season workout, like, why don't we go get a margarita? Like, <laughs> that's such a great idea. <laughs> like, I'm a human <laughs> being. Wow. Um, and I think that that's provided me with just so much more joy and it doesn't have to be margarita it doesn't have to be like you don't always have to have a treat but like we uh sometimes mimosas right sometimes mimosas you know sometimes you miss podcasts because you're having a mimosa uh whoops (laughs) (laughs) it's Um, the best best excuse ever i don't think anything will ever top that (laughs) (laughs) hey Corey ran a fast 800 do we have to celebrate um (laughs) i think that's something that that um has really made the last few years so meaningful and so fun um you know we do we do dumb stuff like selecting items that are completely frivolous as gifts to buy ourselves when we do cool stuff like one thing that i uh had selected for myself was this like ridiculous pair of velour llama slip-on sneakers that if I ran X, Y, or Z, I would earn these llama slippers, these llama shoes. And I was talking about them all season. And I was like kind of running against a brick wall because like I couldn't quite hit my prize. And I wanted these llama shoes so badly. And Joe ended up buying them for me for Christmas because he gets everybody a Christmas gift, which is like way too nice. Um, But yeah, you know, just like having dumb little goals like that makes it really fun or dumb little treats. Uh, rewards for yourself. I don't know. She Emma's really good at that. And that's a fun thing that we do. I think the fun aspect is not to be overrated, right? Like it's your job to perform, but if you're not having fun with it, what's the point? Um, so what are, what are some of the other ways that, that you and your teammates and friends infuse fun into, into the equation? Cause I think even for, am- it's even more important for amateurs to realize that like you, you don't, you don't have to be so serious all the time. Oh like, my gosh. It's so this true. is fun. It is it like, it is so true. It just doesn't have to be so, so, so serious all the time. Like we, and it doesn't matter either at the end of the day, my, my favorite story to, sorry to cut you off there, but like this, this story is, is perfect for it. Um, running itself is, I think meaningless. I think it's the meaning that you attach to, um, 
that you attach to it and the memories you make that um that make it so important and so i did i did a, a long day in the grand canyon and afterwards i get on the bus and i'm like i'm starting to eat a picky bar and i the picky bar wrapper is crinkly and it makes a whole lot of noise the bus driver turns around and goes no eating on the bus and i go ma'am i'm like pretty hungry i'm I just want to like eat this picky bar i've been running for 13 hours here she's like I don't care. No running on the bus and, and or no eating on the bus. And it's just this reminder that at the end of the day, like it just doesn't matter. Yeah. And, <laughs> and and it's like we have to we have to do things we enjoy because that's all we have, right? Totally. That is hilarious. <laughs> um I yeah, I wish that that was like caught on camera cuz that would be like a, that would be a hilarious <laughs> SNL skit. Um but yeah, I mean, it, it does, it just doesn't need to be so serious. And don't get me wrong. We absolutely take our bodies to the max. We train super hard. Um, but then, you know, we go, we, we run in the morning and we don't stop talking for an entire run. You know, it's like, it's our social hour. It's, yeah. um, we catch up and discuss what happened on the reality TV shows that we watch because who freaking cares? It's, it's entertaining. I don't care. Judge me if you want, that's your problem. But like we, we go to brunch. We, we do a super, super hard workout when we're up training at, you know, at super two in Crested Butte. And, uh, there've been multiple times where I have, laid a horcrux on the track and we're cooling down and I'm having to walk on the cool down and we're just, we laugh about it. And then we go through the drive-thru at Sonic and get a Red Bull slushie and some tater tots and like laugh it <laughs> off. Like we need sugar. We need like, this is not good. And, and we just crack up about things that like are insignificant and, um, you know, we can, we can laugh at ourselves. We can have fun. Um, and that doesn't mean that you're not going to be successful. I think it means that you can be successful. Um, I think that that those that are in the sport for a long time realize that it's more than just results. And um, I say that not as somebody who has experienced that firsthand, obviously, but this is episode 100-something of the podcast where 70-plus of the athletes have, have are professionals. And it's it's incredible to be able to learn from an athlete like yourself. And I get to notice these consistencies and the people who are, who are talking about running the way that you talk about running are generally the ones that enjoy it and get to be successful at it and get to, you know, achieve progress in it. And I think that, you know, it's, it, it can't be, you know, reaffirmed enough that, that that's the kind of stuff that matters. I totally agree. And I get a lot of questions from young athletes or even young athlete parents, um, particularly like really high achieving high school athletes and like, what's one piece of advice? What's one piece of advice? And the fun aspect is so underrated. If you want to do like, I'm 30 years old. Like I've been doing, I've been running the mile for 15 years like <laughs> if it, if I wasn't having fun, I just wouldn't be doing it anymore. And if I started taking things so seriously at such a young age, like you just would burn out. And, and I understand that there's reason to take things seriously. And, and when I line up for a race, I am ready to go. I'm ready to run my eyeballs out. But at the same time, it's like, if, if there isn't a piece of you that's enjoying what you're doing, it's like, why, why? Right. Like you, it's, as you said, it's running, it's running. Like it just doesn't have to be so such a big, scary, serious thing all the time. Totally. Uh, I love that so much. <laughs> um, it, for me personally, I didn't start seeing the, the type of tangible results that I had been, um, so focused on until I stopped caring about getting tangible <laughs> results. And like, I spent four years trying to run a sub three marathon and it didn't take, um, it didn't happen until I was able to get to a place where I could stand on the starting line. Yeah. Ready to absolutely race my face off, but also not care about 
whether it was a two or three or a four on, on the finishing clock. And I saw a two on the finishing clock and, and that wasn't, that wasn't the measure of success. The measure of success was that, that, that was freaking awesome. And when things got really hard at mile 22 and 23, I chose, as you said, get uncomfortable, choose discomfort. How far can you go when, um, the other option is like, you don't have to hurt. Like you could walk off in a mile or in a marathon or in a hundred miler or a 800 at any point, but you choose this discomfort. And it's such a privilege to be able to have trained enough to get to a point where you can consciously choose that discomfort. Totally. Totally. I, one thing that I've learned, um, being on team Jamaica for however many years now is, um, is enjoyment really means you're relaxed. If you look at Bolt and his career, it's like guys giving the pound to some, the person holding his blocks and smiling and dancing and loose and relaxed. And it's like, well, yeah, like, of course, like that may, it just, it makes so much sense if you're enjoying it. Um, you're, you're Have you just, always been that way? No. Oh my gosh. No, I, I cried um, the morning of the Olympic final uh, in Rio trying to get my breakfast in my body because I was so nervous and like so upset that like I like I was by myself in the Olympic village just like chomping down a bowl of granola like just terrified for the pain that I was about to incur <laughs> uh, running the Olympic final and um, you know, it's like, you just don't have to go through, you don't have to go through those moments. And thankfully when I got there, you know, I've like learned some coping mechanisms and, you know, I find the people in the call room that keep me relaxed, like, uh, Jen, the cause, the Australian, you know, like we can, once I get to the call room, I'm usually fine. Um, but yeah, like there have been so many times in my career that like, I can barely get my breakfast down because I'm so nervous and uptight and concerned and worried. And it's just like, why? <laughs> like how, how many hundreds of times have I raced in my life? Um, just, yeah, that's something that I've really had to work through. So it sounded like you, when you joined team boss, um, you learned some of that fun from Emma, um, talk to me about where team boss is today. And I'll frame that with the context of, um, I had uh, Ben Rosario on the podcast back in uh, back in last week, <laughs> talking about the the deal that um, that his team signed, and his commentary was, um, "Teams are where it's at. Like this is where it's at from an athlete standpoint, from a brand standpoint, from a coach standpoint. Um, this is this is the future." Um, so talk to me about, about where, where your team is at and, uh, and do you agree with, uh, with what he said? Yeah, I, I really agree. Um, teams are where it's at and especially if you can cultivate a healthy team culture, like they have and we have, um, yeah, I mean, I, if you look at middle distance running in the States, um, and how far it's come, you look at, at where, big time performances are, are coming from, and it's out of powerhouse groups. Um, there's just so much to be gained when you have a lot of like-minded people pushing each other. Um, and there's just so much more support in a group. So what makes team boss unique is that we don't have a sponsor. Um, so it opens our possibility to different athletes that can come to our group. Um, there are definitely pros and cons of not having a sponsor. One, like we don't have, um, a massive, uh, footwear backed budget to work with. So, um, that, you know, there are some limitations with that, but, um, Joe and Emma and Emma's family have been so incredibly generous, um, and have supported us in a lot of ways. Uh, but it allow like not having a footwear sponsor allows us to make, decisions for what's best for the athlete on an individual level and on a group level. So we can, we can do things that, that benefit each other. Um, 
setting up paced races for each other. Uh, we can fundraise for things that are meaningful to us without having to clear it through, uh, through sponsors as we did with uh, the team boss Colorado mile this summer. We, we raised $30,000 for Sachs foundation that uh, provides scholarships to black and Brown students in the state of Colorado, um, which is just an amazing thing that we can do because we're sort of untethered. Uh, we can make decisions that, that suit us as athletes and us as people. Um, so I think that's really important. And the mentality shift of having a group of people that you, that everybody wants each other to succeed. I think that we end up, um, really putting ourselves out there even harder. Like I, I know that if all else fails in my mind, I know that I want to race well for my group <laughs> and that if I can't find, you know, I've got a thousand reasons to run well, but like at the end of the day, like, no, we don't have a Jersey that unites us. Um, but I know that I'm showing up for other people and I love that accountability. I love the pressure that, that comes with that of like, Hey, I'm lining up for team boss. Like I better bring it because I'm a representative of something that's bigger than myself. And I want this team to, to still grow and to keep moving forward. And I want to be a positive, uh, a positive driver of bringing our group to a higher level. That's super cool. One of the things that, that you keep mentioning is um, this competitor and friend type dynamic. You mentioned before we started recording that you had a couple of friends that are on the Bowerman team that are that are joining you in, in Boulder for you know a couple of weeks or however long it is. And you race against them and you're going to train with them. And, and so how how does that how does that play in uh, or does it play in? I think it's easy. So, um, Emily Infeld and I have been friends since we both turned pro. Um, and she's here in Boulder and, uh, I mean, Portland is dealing with some of the worst air quality in the world and they can't go outside. And, um, I'd previously been in Park City with, with Emily and Kate Grace and, uh, having a great time training together, running together. Um, you know, talking about our, our dreams for the year. And, um, I think that there are a lot of ways to look at athletics and something that I find in other people that really draws me to them is the idea that some, not everybody shares this view, but the people that I love the most share the view that like success isn't finite. Um, and that if I am successful, that doesn't take away from someone else. And I, I feel so lucky to have friends that are in the running community that share that value that like, look, if, um, if Emily has success, like that's fantastic. If Kate has success, that's amazing. Like I, I root for them. I cheer for them. And I mean, I think it is easier when you're, we're all in the off season and we're just building mileage. Like, you know, we're not really into hard workouts yet. So, um, you know, we go out and run together and it's kind of like you know, the more the merrier. And I know when I line up against them, like I want to beat them <laughs> and they want to beat me because it's a race. Um, but then, you know, when we're off the track, it's like, Hey, like we're all doing this very hard thing and we're all trying our best. And, um, it's success is in a pie, you know, it's like, we can all share here. If I take a piece, there's plenty of pieces to go on. It's an infinite pie. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a mean girl. So that's not really my, <laughs> not really my <laughs> style to like, not, uh, want to open my door to my friends, um, when they're needing clean air. Totally. Besides the the infinite pie reference that you just made, which sounds incredible, hopefully it's an <laughs> apple pie. I love the I love the success isn't finite um, mantra, and like I can't I can't love it enough. Like that's that's the epitome of what I enjoy most about at least the Boston running community and the Boulder running community that everybody is there 
doing it because they love it and they're doing it to help other people get better. I have a community here in Boston where I have friends that, that I'm faster than and I have friends that are much faster than me. And it's like this this feedback or this this loop where I help the slower people, the faster help people help me. And, and it's to this like perfect dynamic of paying it forward and pacing each other and this and that. And, and when you have an environment like that, where, where people are in it for the fun of it or for the success of everybody, um, I think it's a really special place to be. And I don't think that, that there are a lot of communities or um, sports even that, like that's commonplace. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think it's what makes communities really special. And I think it's pretty simple. It's like, do I want to be a good person or do I want to be an asshole? Like, I, you know, I think that uh, spreading whatever, resource I have, whether it be going on a run with someone or, um, sharing a conversation or, um, whatever. I don't really know. Like I, I don't really, I feel like I don't really have that much to give (laughs) as a person, but like whatever I have, I'm happy to give it. And, and I think that that makes the world just sort of a better place. If like everybody's just a little bit, especially now, if you can just be a little bit kinder to the people around you. And if you can share whatever you just have, just a little bit, even just a helps. little, just a little weeny, weeny little bit. It's like the world is just going to be better. And it's, it doesn't take away much from you to, to be a good person. It's just like, it's not that hard. Totally. So you said success isn't finite. Um, we talked about that, but my next question is what, what does success mean to you? I have been thinking about this a lot in my older age. Um, <laughs> older age. I'm also 30. We're not old. <laughs> all right. We're, we're, we're young. We're not 20. We're not we're, 20. And we, we can't have too many of those margaritas, but we're God, not old. We really can't. We really can't. It really sucks. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I'm with you on that. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. I think that as I've gotten older, I've, I've changed what success means. Um, and I'm still sort of changing what that means to me. And I think that if I can walk away, like from my career is is a good example. Um, if I can walk away from my career, knowing that I did everything that I could to get the best of myself, then that is a success. And I know I'm an athlete of integrity and I know I'm a good person. And if I just use all the resources that I have within my mind and body, um, and I can sort of exhaust that, uh, to, to produce whatever result I can. I mean, every runner knows if you gave it a hundred percent or not, when you walk off of a course or a track, like, you know, deep down if you did it and, and that is where I'll define success in the, the, toward the end of my career is like, did I, and it sounds so dumb. Like, did, did I give it my all? But you know that it's really hard to do that. It's really hard to leave absolutely everything out there and to emptying the well. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard. It's, it's, when you race so much, like there's always a, a tiny piece of a, just human preservation that you can hold on to. And like, if, if I can um, end my career in ha- five years, however long, however much longer I get to do this. Like if I, if I can really know that I, I gave all of myself, I did all the little things. I, I was happy. I, um, I spread joy and I really leaned into competition that that is success to me. Awesome. So fast forward five or 10 years, uh, what are you going to be most proud of? Um, I don't know. I, I hope that I still have a couple tricks up my sleeve. <laughs> um, I'd really, really like to, um, make another Olympic final. Um, I would really like to 
um, have a top 10 finish at a world championship. Um, those are the things that I'm looking for. And I hope that I get to uh, look back and say that I've achieved those things. But up until this point in my career, I'm super proud of my Commonwealth Games win. Um, that was a huge game changer in my life. Um, and I'm, I'm also really proud of like some of the adversity that I've overcome. I've had some pretty serious injuries that I've um, come back from that have been um, almost like defining moments in my career athletically and just as a person of like, you know, I, I broke my foot at worlds in 2017 and was just absolutely gutted and shredded and then came back and, and won Commonwealth games um, because I just didn't want to give up. And I, I didn't want to like live in the, the sadness of having a bad day. And, and I think those moments I'll look back and be like, wow, like, good job, Aish. You, you really overcame some stuff. Um, so yeah, yeah. I hope there's more to come. That's awesome. Thanks again to Johnji for sponsoring this episode. Their community called the Johnji Collective was designed to provide an easy way for us as runners to help contribute to clean water projects worldwide. For the $50 membership fee, they'll put $50 towards supporting these clean water projects, and you'll get a sweet singlet. Just select the $75 option at checkout and use the code FTLR. You'll also get a discount for life and early access to new gear. So you you competed in the 2016 Olympics, so the last cycle, and as we all know, Tokyo is not a 2020 Olympics. Um, how how did that impact you, and and how did it shift? your motivation or, or fire stoke for 2020? I couldn't be prouder of how our group did this year. Um, we had truly excellent leadership from Joe to, um, just sort of address head on, like this is an ideal. Um, <laughs> however, it doesn't this mean that this, yeah, this isn't ideal in any shape of the word. Um, but like, how can we move forward and how can we become better versions of ourselves for the future? Because training is cumulative, a training of the body, training the mind that is cumulative. And how can we, how can we show up and how can we um, be better versions of ourselves at the end of the year? And that really drove me. And I, I was pretty lucky to have a little bit of extra time. Um, I had a, pretty nasty hamstring at the end of, um, at the end of 2019 that I kind of wasn't paying attention to. Like I was, I was in relative pain all the time. So I didn't realize I was in pain, if that makes sense. Um, Mm -hmm. so I had decided that I wasn't going to race indoors, that we were just going to rehab a ton and maybe I'd pace, um, which I ended up doing, which was great. But, uh, I got to really lean into learning to care for my body totally. So that was, that was the biggest gift that I, um, that I got was a little bit of extra time to heal injuries and to get stronger and to feel totally put together going into the new year. And I definitely got fitter. Um, And I had as much fun as you possibly can have in a global pandemic with, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter revolution and, you know, crazy political things happening. Like I, I had, I had fun strengthening relationships and, uh, getting, getting down to the basics. So it was, it was pretty good. Like zero motivation lost, (laughs) which is huge. You know, I, I feel like I'm even more motivated because I know my body's healthy and, um, I didn't have to, I, I didn't have to burn any serious candles, um, running really hard races. Like I, I got to sort of, um, keep things at a more moderate level for the year. So now I just cannot wait to step on the starting line Hmm. and, um, and race. I feel like I'm like a dog on a leash. That's like, yes, rearing to go. (laughs) Yeah. And, and you also had some, um, you made some, 
you did some amazing things off the track as well. Uh, let's talk first about the race that was hosted in Crested Butte um, back in back in June. Um, you posted on your Instagram, we're racing and we're taking action. Each of us understands that the ability to chase our dreams is a privilege. The opportunity to pursue our passions is the heartbeat of this team, and we aim to spread it in our community. To underline our commitment to what is now the world's largest civil rights movement, we are raising funds for the Sachs Foundation, whose mission is to provide educational opportunities to Black and African American residents of Colorado. Hashtag like a boss. Track is Black and Black Lives Matter. First, I love the the like a boss hashtag, and obviously the the other two are are quite important as well. Um, so let's talk about let's talk about that. How how has your experience been? Um, as part of that organizing group uh, in terms of steering action? Yeah, I'm going to be honest. Like it was, there were a couple of days that were really difficult. Um, I am someone who I think um, I get pretty bogged down <laughs> with empathy mm-hmm. sometimes. Uh, and I was feeling like, okay, if I just like lay around and be sad and cry, I'm not really helping anyone. Um, and I went back to Minneapolis. I can't remember if I, if we did this. Yeah, it was, it was after I had gotten back from Minneapolis. Um, uh, Joe had asked me, our coach had asked me like, Hey, um, we're going to do this race. Like, why don't we turn it into a fundraiser? Would you, um, would you be interested in finding, um, finding a beneficiary? Like, let's, let's do something as a team. Let's, let's raise money for, uh, for some opportunity based, uh, situation that, that is, is going to be a concrete action that we can take. And I, um, I was totally into it. And I, when I went to college, um, I was the beneficiary of a really similar scholarship to the scholarships that Sachs Foundation provides to uh, black students in Colorado. And I was just going down the path of, of doing some research and um, I made contact with the Sachs Foundation and found found out that this the most amazing story um, that the first scholar his name was Dolphus Stroud and he qualified for the Olympic trials um as a middle distance runner in the 5k and he was from Colorado Springs and he was unable to ride the train to the Olympic trials which was in Boston um he was unable to ride the train because he was black so he hitchhiked across America to get to the Olympic trials and um was exhausted by the time he got there, um, that he you know, collapsed in the race, but, uh, he then went on, you know, went on to college, like was a, um, a really accomplished scholar. And, uh, he had like, he, he just had this incredible career and faced so much adversity and, the the guy who had contacted me back, his name is Ben. He said, "Like I cannot believe that you are reaching out to me." And he he told me about Dolphus and his family, and uh, it was just like the like a meant to be type of connection that was mm-hmm. made. Like wow, uh, you know, being reached out to by um, by another accomplished black middle distance runner who wants to to give to this uh, give to this initiative. It's like wow, this is just a match made in heaven. It was awesome. And, um, you know, we were, we were, we really wanted to find an amount of money that could make an, an actual impact. And I was so proud of everybody on the team and so thankful to everybody who donated, uh, because we're, we're able to make an impact and, and, Sachs Foundation said, like, hey, this is four or five more scholarships than we could have provided a year ago. And I think about being a beneficiary of a scholarship like this. And like it it does mean so much. It meant so much to me and my family. And it, like took away some financial burden that like it's just it's hard to articulate like how important 
things like this are. And it, yeah, it was probably my favorite thing that happened all year. That's so cool. What was it like to, to witness the, um, the day? Uh, the race day. Yeah. Oh, it's like awesome. the culmination of all this fundraising yeah. <laughs> and, and awareness. Yeah. I mean, the race was really hard. <laughs> uh, yeah. Racing a mile at altitude is, is really tough. Uh, but it was just awesome. Like it was like, it was such a fun day. Um, all of us were craving competition so much. It was the first time that we'd all um, put on our, our kits outdoor and lined up to race. And we, you know, we had a, a limited amount of people that could come into the track. Um, and, you know, having an, an ability to like use our skills um, that are so niche <laughs> and so <laughs> strange. I like guess it, when I really look at it from a bird's eye view, I'm like, what a weird life I have. <laughs> um, but to be able to use what, what strange gifts we have to do something that helps someone else was just like, man, this is everything. Like, this is so cool. And, um, we ended up having a pretty bad day of weather, which sucked because we went with, um, we were doing like a pledge it situation. So how the cumulative seconds below the previous record was the multiplier for people that pledged like, you know, per second. So we're all just racing our faces off because <laughs> we want to get the maximum donation <laughs> from right. people. Um, but we didn't, we didn't have a super, we didn't blow it out the way that we thought we would. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, it was just so awesome. It's like opportunities like this don't, don't happen very often. So it was really special. That's awesome. What was it like to share that, um, to share that through, not just with your teammates, but I mean, I'm seeing some of these comments on, on social and it looks like, you know, you had thousands of, of fans, um, following every, you know, every stride. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. Um, I, I was really grateful to Joe for wanting to do this and really grateful to my team. Um, I felt, you know, like conversations around race and, uh, sort of disparities in America are really difficult to have, um, for everyone and to feel so supported by the people around me that like, I believe in this and they believe in this and together we'll do our best and we'll try and we're willing, we're willing to try. Um, it was just really, really meaningful to me. Um, so it was, it was a great day and, and a great lead up and a great result. So I, I felt very happy about it. That's awesome. Um, so thinking ahead a few months, so that, that would have been around the time of the 2020 track trials, um, pretty much like that, that weekend, right? Um, how are you and the team focused on 2021? I mean, we're super focused on it. There's so much that's beyond our control. Um, so all we can do is really focus on what we can control. And for for me and for the team, that all kind of looks a little bit different um, based on just the individual position that everyone sits in. But um, for me, it's, it's full steam ahead. I put together my biggest five weeks of mileage ever. Um, Morgan McDonald and I are going up to Crested Butte in, for the month of October. Emma will be up there because um, we're looking to hit it, hit the ground running pretty early. We, Morgan and I both ended our summer racing pretty early um, and built up pretty quickly because we're looking to, to hit it hard from, from the gun um, once the qualification window opens in December. And, you know, I'm, I'm preparing like everything is going gonna, is gonna to happen. And, and I'm not really concerned, uh, beyond that. So I'm, I'm just starting workouts back and, and we're next year is the Olympic year as far as I know. So that's where I'm going. <laughs> awesome. Um, what does balance mean to you? I, I find the, 
the notion of balance to be fascinating. Some people believe in it. Some people call it juggling. Um, so where, where do you fall on that spectrum? Somewhere in the middle. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I look, what I do is not normal and, um, it requires, uh, extraordinary focus and extraordinary effort. Um, and I'm totally aware of that and I'm totally comfortable with that because this is, uh, this is finite. My career is finite. I'm not going to be able to, uh, be racing 1500 meters when I'm 50 years old. So I know that I have this sort of short window to get everything I can onto myself, but I, I know I would be miserable if I thought about it every minute of every day. Um, so I, I'm lucky in that I love what I do. I love the people around me. I, it's pretty easy for me to have fun. Um, I think that my teammates would agree that I, I'm kind of like a, I, I want to make every single moment fun. There's a lot of singing in the car. There's a lot of mm-hmm. dancing around at practice. And, and I, I, I believe that I can create fun and happiness sort of wherever I am. Um, and that really helps me to feel balanced. And I'm lucky that I like the taste of healthy food. I'm lucky that like, I am not a big boozer that like, I'm really happy to have a glass of wine. <laughs> and, uh, so there are all these things that like, you know, I've built up, uh, relationships that I surround myself with that understand the preciousness of what I'm doing. Um, and support it and don't distract from it. Um, and I'm just really lucky that I have that structure built in place that even though what I'm doing is super bizarre, it feels normal in a sense because it is normal to the people that are close, close in my life. I mean, Um, it's not, it's normal to want to improve and get the best out of yourself. And, and running is the medium in which you do that. Totally. Totally. Um, what do you wish people knew about you? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know if I wish people knew this about me, but I think it's important <laughs> to know this about me that I am like a total nerd and dork. Like I am not cool. I am really, we joke about it all the time. I joke about it so much with Laura Thweet. I don't know if you allow cursing on this podcast, but I've dropped a couple. Of curses. I've dropped a couple of curses already, <laughs> so hopefully you haven't had to ever curse out. But Laura and I joke all the time that like we are never going to be hot bitches. Like it, <laughs> I just spill stuff all the time. Like I always put my foot in my mouth, or like have my shirt on backwards, or like we, you know, try to look cute in a picture and we look like gremlins. Like I just like <laughs> I am, every photo is a down step. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Like I, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a total dork and, uh, and I don't take myself too seriously. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, on that note, uh, where can we follow along if we want to, if we want to follow your, your journey of, of jokes and, and mimosas and really fast, uh, laps around the oval. I, uh, post on Instagram under Aisha Prottlier and that's usually where I'll be hanging out. Awesome. Well, Aisha, thanks so much for taking the time to chat and uh, hope to see you out there sometime soon. Yeah, thank you so much. Of course. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next week on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too.